Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Thank you for this opportunity. I am glad to be here. And thank you, Brave Mike. I am confident the first reaction was, what is this? All these names. Thank you. Well done. As I sat in God's presence this week, pondering the wisps of whatever might become today's sermon, the spirit gathered force, the whisper, a whisper gathered voice, and the voice began to speak. After a few moments of startled disorientation, I collected myself and discovered that my task at that moment was no longer laboring to create a sermon, but rather to take dictation. For the sermon was being given to me. And may God bless those who are going and those who need the siren. So together, let us listen to the voice spinning the tale of Tirza, my guest that night. I am Tirza, the voice began, named for one of the five daughters of Zelophehad, who died without a son. They petitioned Moses for their father's inheritance, let it be whisked away in the wind. Moses presented the matter to God, who decided to honor their bold request and grant these women their father's inheritance. Tirza was the youngest daughter, not the spokeswoman, but every bit as bold in her action. Such was my namesake. Bold Tirza, youngest of five sisters. And I, too, was the youngest, so the connection must have been natural for my parents to make. Tirza, the youngest I was, the youngest I still am, though I am young no more. Time, childbirth, and widowhood have taken their toll on me. And now I must scratch to take care of myself in an indifferent world. The surviving child of my womb left home as soon as he could, traveled far, and I hear from him no more. I am alone. Friends are kind, but cannot take on another mouth in any permanent way. So these hands have become calloused by whatever work I can find. Needlework as I can, but the prospects for a tailor are slim in this village. So I stand with the others at the gate at dawn, 
seeking whatever field labor is available. I am one in a crowd. The stronger backs are always chosen first. Left behind are the elderly men, those whose bodies are crippled by disease or accident, and women. As each employer arrives, the crowds huddle close. The overseer scans us, pointing with his chin to choose his day labor hires. He takes the chosen with him after negotiating payment. As the day passes, the crowd thins, and so does hope. Many will stay within earshot of the gate, hoping against hope. Now and again, another employer will come late in the day, but the prospects dim as the sun travels the heavens. By day's end, if any foolishly choose to remain, they are the oldest, the weakest, picked over, left out. The strong ones go early. I usually eat the crumbs of my lunch at the gate. Sometimes I am fortunate to eat as I labor in the field. Not often. Not often. Such is the life of this Tirza. One such day, the employers came early. Their overseers chose, and they left with a knot of men. Usually it is just men. On this day, one employer himself returned at different times, the same man, and chose from those remaining. A breath of hope stirred among us remnants. Maybe there would be bread tonight, a bit. Again he came back, and finally, toward dusk, he came once more. He scanned those who of us who remained, those who have not given up for the day, and waved us in closer, the ones whom age had starved into scarecrows, the lame struggling to look like they walked evenly, the foreigners who'd journeyed long distances to escape poverty, hoping for a decent life. Come, he said, the job is large, we need even you. He looked us over, his face a mask. Come and work until dark. As we trudged toward the vineyard, my soul repeated the, mo the prayer of Moses in the Psalter. Let the favor of the Lord be upon us and prosper the work of our hands. Oh, prosper the work of our hands. A tiny green shoot of hope dared to push through the soil of my heart. I knew vineyards. The pruning, the harvesting, the best rhythm to speed the fingers. I knew the cramp that cramps that bent those fingers into claws after hours of repeated motions. The shoulders tight, the backs twisting, but also, also the promise of honest pay for honest labor, even if for a few hours. I was hoping that this employer 
would not turn out to be a shyster who shorted his workers, confident that they had no voice. Any complaints dismissed with a scornful laugh. Day laborers must trust the Lord that God will guide their fortunes, guard them, honor their labor. Didn't Moses say in Deuteronomy, straight from the mouth of God, you shall not withhold the wages of the poor and needy laborers, whether Israelites or the aliens who reside in your land, the land of one of your towns. You shall pay them their wages daily before sunset because they are poor and their livelihood depends on them otherwise. They might cry to the Lord against you and you would incur guilt. Yes, we work trusting God's justice. Sometimes the employer honors God, sometimes he does not. You pray for a wage that will allow you to live one more day. If you have children, you pray that their mouths will be fed, their clothes not too threadbare, any sniffles not to turn into fever. We work hoping in God, the God who knows all about hard labor, for did not even God need a day to rest from the labor of creation? We pray to this God, the God who works and demands justice also for those who work. We arrived, a ragged, limping, bent-over crowd, willing to bend to the task nevertheless. Fingers pointed us to our plots, and we joined in with a will. Maybe if we busied ourselves, if we hurried our fingers, we might impress the overseer and tomorrow be chosen earlier in the day. You look out of the corner of your eye as you work. You observe others. You watch the overseer watching each worker. You hope that your industry will catch his eye. You notice those whose hands slow, those who wheeze. The sun will beat you senseless. It always has been so. The days are long. We who arrived recently watch those who started at dawn. Even if we impress the overseer today and are chosen earlier tomorrow, we will most likely fade before afternoon. But you work. You do your best. You must if you wish to survive. You hope to catch the eye of the overseer so that you might earn a bit more tomorrow. The sun dips. We work. Plucking, filling baskets, carrying them to the carts. The sun touches the horizon. We work, sweat stinging our eyes, running down under our garments. The darkness gathers. We work until we can see only the largest grapes, and still the fingers search for the smaller ones. As torches flare, the overseer calls the day's labor to a halt. We gather for payment. 
The crew picked at dawn receives their payment, a full day's wage, a denarius. The second crew, chosen mid-morning, clusters, hands thrust out. They, too, receive a denarius, a gift from a generous employer, to be sure. Tomorrow's crew will be all the more enthusiastic in their working. Then the noontime crew, also a denarius, while remarking on their luck, they mumble that this employer won't stay in business long with such unwise practices. Then comes our turn. The final crew chosen late in the day, we move toward the paymaster and receive a denarius. Our unbelievable good fortune turns the others sour, grumbling, no longer wondering about the wisdom of their employer. They are now angry. How dare he pay those sluggards the same rate as we who labored all day under the hot sun? The employer arrives, hears the unrest, voices grumbling louder, tense glares from the group of laborers one to another. These rejects worked only one hour, and yet you make them equal to us after we labored all day in the hot sun? The employer looks at them. Friend, he begins quietly, I did you no wrong. You got exactly what you bargained for, no more, no less. Take your cash and get out of here. It is my money, my land, and I will do what I want with it. Shocked silence. Or are you just sore because I was generous? And turns and walks away. The grumblers are silent. And so are the latecomers staring at our own denarius with tears in our eyes. Tirza now turns and looks directly at me, eyes cradled in a web of wrinkles, skin browned by the sun, hands gnarled. She has told her story, but again she speaks. We received about 80 of your dollars, each of us. Was it fair? Can you run a business like that? I don't know. If you bargain with the boss, the boss will give you what you bargained for. No more, no less. Is that fair? In a way, it is exactly fair. You get exactly what you bargained for. But I will tell you the truth that I learned. Generosity goes beyond fairness. Generosity leaves fairness behind. The good are fair, true enough. But as David himself said, 
the righteous are generous and keep giving. David spoke a truth from the heart of God. Oh, I've seen laborers used up by unfair employers. I've seen laborers bargain with employers and even win now and then. But I have never seen so generous an employer as this one. And not just that he paid every worker the same wage. No, he himself went back time after time. That's the job of the house steward, not the owner. And instead of just giving a handout to those left behind, he gave them the dignity of working for pay. Nobody expected what he did. No, that employer acted like our God. Generous to all. And that is what the day of God will be like when it comes at last. It will catch you by surprise, and it will change you. Let me be bold like my namesake Terza was. Generosity is like God, way, the way God is. Look around you. Who ever bargained with God to give you the sunlight, rain, wind? Who bargained to obtain food, shelter? Let me be bold like Terza and her sisters. When you are generous, you act like God. When you treat your workers with generosity, you bring into this world the times of God, when God will make all things right. We all must work. We all must do our part. Like God at creation, we all use our God-given creativity in our best work, and that is good, just like God said. But... Generosity brings the next world into this one. Generosity brings God's goodness to those whose backs are bent, bent over from long years of, in the fields for pennies. Generosity brings the light of hope to those who create our clothes in the dark. Generosity, Terza said, looking me straight in the eye brings courage to those beaten down by unjust employers who live on still in your own day. Generosity brings an island of God's righteousness that will grow like a weed. Like this employer, you take a look at what is yours, whatever resources you have, and use them to give dignity to those at the bottom. Tears affixed her eyes on me, her eyes blazing with passion. You want to bargain with the boss? Fine. You want to bargain with God? Good. 
You'll get what you deserve, no more, no less. And things will remain the same. But you want to be generous. Then you will change the world. For you will be acting like the Creator. Oh, there are those who will resent what you do and grumble, sure or not true enough. But when you imitate our God, you will give hope to the hopeless. So you will create a new world, for God's way will invade this present world. My namesake, said Tirza, boldly demanded her inheritance and changed Israel. That's nothing. You can demand generosity and change the world. Tirza faded away. But I wonder. I wonder if she isn't still out there somewhere waiting to see what we shall do. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.